Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the shepherding doctrine as we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 31. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. When to do things and, and what to do and so forth, and you are to submit totally to your shepherd. You are to pay all your tithes to that shepherd, and, and you, you commit totally your, your decisions in your life to him. It's really sort of a pyramid thing. Some guys at the top started it. They're the head shepherds, and all of these other shepherds are under them. And uh, it's, it's sort of like those pyramid cells games where, you know, you get so many reps under you, and then uh, you get a certain percentage of all what your reps sell, and they get reps under them, and you get a certain percentage of what their reps sell, and, you know, you get this pyramid thing going, and the guys at the top really make out great. And, and so these shepherds that are at the top, you know, all of the shepherds pay their tithes, of course, on up the line, ultimately get up here to the top shepherds. Uh, and uh, they, they've got this whole thing going, and many people have gone for it. Now, they, they say that if your shepherd tells you to do something, you've got to submit to him and do it even if it is wrong. And if it is wrong, your shepherd is responsible and will have to answer to God. You are right because you submitted and obeyed your shepherd. So you're free, even though what you've done is wrong. You'll be free because you were, you obeyed your shepherd and you were submitting to him, and thus he will be the one that will be responsible to God for the wrong things that you have done because he told you to do them. If they would only read this account, they would find out that God holds each man responsible for what God has told him to do. Now, this young prophet, the Lord said, when you get there, don't eat any bread, don't drink any water in that place, and when you come back, don't even come back by the same route you went. So the old man, an old prophet, finds him, and he says, come on home with me. Eat bread and drink water. And he said, no, I can't. The Lord commanded me not to. Well, I'm also a prophet, you see. I'm an older man. And, and an angel came and spoke to me and said, come and bring him and invite him back. The old man was lying to him, told him to do something that was not according to the word of the Lord to him directly. And as the result, the young man disobeyed the Lord's command that the Lord had given to him. You are responsible to listen to God and to follow the Lord in the Lord's command. And God will hold you responsible for that. And of course, he's back there eating bread and drinking water. And the true prophecy then came from the old man that he was not going to get back home, that the Lord would take him before he could get home, which of course did happen. Now, after this experience that Jeroboam had, where God was giving to him a warning, verse 33, Jeroboam did not turn away from his evil doings, but he made the lowest people priest there in the high places, and whoever he would he consecrated, and he became one of the priests of the high places. 
And this thing became a sin to the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. So at that time, his son Abijah became sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise yourself, that, you might, that they won't know you as the wife of Jeroboam. And go to Shiloh, for there is a prophet there whose name is Ahijah, and he is the one that told me that I was going to become the king over these people. Take ten loaves of bread, some cracknels, and a cruise of honey, and go to him, and he will tell you what's going to happen to our child. So Jeroboam's wife did so. She arose, went to Shiloh, and she came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were set by reason of his age. He was so old that he had gone blind. But the Lord said to Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam is coming to ask something of you for her son, for he is sick. So this is what you're to say. Thus and thus shall you say unto her. For it shall be when she comes in that she's going to feign herself or be disguised so that she'll look like another woman. And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, she came up to the door. When she knocked on the door, he said, Come on in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Why are you feigning yourself to be someone else? Why, are you, why have you got this disguise on? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. It is humorous that a person would think that he could disguise the truth about himself from God. And yet, so often people find themselves in that position of trying to deceive God. Men are often in a disguise when they come to the house of the Lord. They seek to appear to be something they really aren't. But God can see through each disguise. We remember in the birth of the church in the New Testament when there was such great fervor and zeal. The people were going out and selling their houses and possessions and bringing the money in and laying it at the apostles' feet. And they all were just sharing everything together. And there were a certain couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who sold a possession. But they conspired to hold back a part of it for themselves and bring in just a part of what they made, which was perfectly all right, except that they were feigning to give everything. They were pretending that they were bringing it all in. And so Ananias came in first, and he laid this money before Peter, and Peter said, did you sell your house for so much? Yep. He said, why have you conspired in your heart to lie against God, to lie against the Holy Spirit? You've not lied unto man, you've lied unto God. Now, while the house was in your name, wasn't it yours? Yep. Did anyone require you to sell it? Nope. Did anyone require that you bring everything? Nope. 
but yet you're putting on this big front. You're trying to deceive God. And then Ananias fell over dead, and they carried him out. His wife didn't hear about it, and she came in pretty soon with her part and laid it there at Peter's feet. He said, is that what you sold your house for? Yep. Why is it that you and your husband would conspire together to deceive God? Behold, the feet of those that carried your husband out are going to carry you out too, and she fell over dead. We can be thankful, I guess, that that same power doesn't exist in the church today. I wonder how many of us would last through a service. We surely wouldn't last through some of the songs that we sing. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands, my feet, my moments, my days. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. <laughs> Everybody drops over dead. So it is wrong to think that you can deceive God. Here she comes, all disguised. <laughs> and while she's knocking on the door, the old blind prophet, foolish, anyhow, the old blind, his prophet's blind, anyhow, he, he couldn't see all of this gear that she'd put on and, you know, tried to disguise himself. He couldn't see it anyhow. He was blind. And yet he says, come on in, thou wife of Jeroboam. How come you put on that weird disguise? I have heavy tidings for you. They were heavy tidings indeed. Go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, for as much as I exalted thee from among the people and made thee prince over my people Israel, and I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, Yet you have not been as my servant David who kept my commandments and who followed me with all of his heart to do that only which was right in my eyes. But you have done evil above all that were before thee, for you have gone and made other gods, molten images, to provoke me to anger, and you have cast me behind thy back. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off all of the house of Jeroboam. Now, the Lord declares that I have given to you all of these things. I've blessed you. I made you the prince and the king over my people. And yet you have given nothing back. You've turned your back on me. You've cast me behind your back. And therefore, because of your wickedness, you're to be cut off in all of your house. And those that die from your family... In the city, the dogs are going to eat, and those that die in the fields, the vultures will eat. Now go on home, and when your feet enter into the city, your child is going to die. And all Israel will mourn for him and bury him, but he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord shall raise him up a king over Israel who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam that day. 
For the Lord shall smite Israel as a reed is shaken in the water, and he shall root up Israel out of the good land which he gave to their fathers, and shall scatter them beyond the river because they have made groves provoking the Lord to anger. And so already at the beginning of the history of the nation of Israel, God is already predicting the judgment that is going to fall some 450 years later upon the nation. Because they turned against God, because they began to worship these other gods, they're going to be scattered. They're going to be driven out of the land that God has given to them. And he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, who made Israel to sin. So his wife arose, and when she came to the threshold of her house, her child died. And they buried him, and all Israel mourned according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by Ahijah the prophet. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he warred, how he reigned, behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Now, we do have the chronicles of the kings of Judah. They are known in the Old Testament as first and second chronicles. However, we do not have the chronicles of the kings of Israel. So first and second chronicles really deal with the chronicles of the, they are actually sort of court records of the kings of Judah. The kings of Israel are mentioned in Chronicles only in passing as they are uh, co-reigning about the same time as the kings of Judah. But basically, First and Second Chronicles deal with the kings of Judah. This, these Chronicles of the kings of Israel are other books that we do not have at the present time. Jeroboam reigned then over Israel for 22 years. And he slept with his fathers, and Nadab his son reigned in his stead. And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. He was 41 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 17 years in Jerusalem. So now we're going to start bouncing back and forth from the northern kingdom to the southern kingdom. So uh, you're going to have to watch, and I'll try to uh, bring the the changes for you so that you know when you're in the north and you know when you're in the south. So meanwhile, back at the ranch in <laughs> Judah, in Jerusalem, the descendant of Solomon, Rehoboam, in the southern kingdom. He was 41 years old. He reigned for 17 years. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they provoked him to jealousy with their sins which they committed above all that their fathers had done. For they began to build high places and images and groves on every high hill under every green tree. And there were also sodomites in the land. And they did according to all of the abomination of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. When the morals of a nation sink so low that the people have such bravado in their sin that they begin to publicly flaunt their perversion and sin, that nation is ripening for judgment even as was Sodom and Gomorrah. I fear for our nation and we need to pray. I do feel that we as a church 
should not hate these people who have chosen this lifestyle. But as a church, we cannot accept them either. We pray for them that they might have a true conversion and be born again and turn from that wickedness and follow and serve the Lord. But we surely can have no real fellowship with them lest we be partakers of their unrighteous deeds. So, still now in Judah, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, in the fifth year of his reign, Shishak, who was the king of Egypt, invaded the land, and he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. So all of this tremendous loot that Solomon had, had brought together was now ripped off by the king of Egypt. That's one of the tough things about having a lot is that there's always someone out to rip you off. I have a friend who is involved with the mafia. And he was sharing with me how that there is sort of a big roll of money that just moves around the circles. He said, we all know where it is. He said, every once in a while, I get hold of it. And he said, when I have it, he says, man, I'm just, you know, just loaded. And he says, but whenever I have it, he said, all of the guys out there are figuring some scam or some way to get it away from me. And he said, ultimately, I fall to one of their scams and they rip it off and then they have it for a while and then we're all figuring out some scam to rip it off from them. And he said, this big wad of money just keeps moving around in the circle and we each get to hold it every once in a while. But he said, it's just all of us ripping off each other constantly that we might hold this money for a time. And, and while I was talking to him, it happened to be the time that he had it, and he opened his safe and showed me this tremendous amount of money. And he said, but I won't have it for long. He said, sooner or later, you're going to get to me with some scam. And he said, they'll take it from me. Now, here was all of this treasure that Solomon amasses. So all of the greedy kings around, they wow, you know. You become the prime target. And so he gets ripped off, and they take it down to Egypt. So then everybody knows it's in Egypt, so they're going to start, you know, ripping off the Egyptians then. So Rehoboam made brass shields. Remember, Solomon made these gold shields, three pounds of gold per shield. But he replaced them. Rehoboam replaced the shields with brass shields. Now, brass is always a symbol of, of judgment. And it really is, is the beginning of God's judgment because of their turning away from the Lord. And so it came to pass when the king went into the house of the Lord that the guard bare them and brought them back to the guard's chamber. And the rest of the acts of Rehoboam, all that he did, are written in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. So we'll get those when we get to chronicles, or the kings of Judah, rather. And we do have the chronicles of the kings of Judah. 
Now there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. Rehoboam slept with his fathers. He was buried in the city of David, and his Abijam, his son, reigned in his stead. Now it is interesting that they both men named their sons the same thing. However, Abijah, or Abijah and Abijam, they're, they're close to the same thing. They mean this, uh, the, the same. He's called Abijah later on. So, uh, but the king of Jeroboam died. The king of Rehoboam, Abijah, or Abijam, became the king in his father's stead. And he reigned for three years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the sins which his father had done before him. His heart was not completely towards the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord gave him the lamp in Jerusalem to set his son after him and establish Jerusalem because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded in all the days of his life except in the case of Bathsheba, the matter of Uriah the Hittite. That's the place where David stumbled and fell badly. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Kings 13 through 15 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless and keep you in his love. And may your life be enriched daily as you study the word and as you worship God in spirit and in truth. For God is seeking such to worship him. May your life in Christ grow be enriched, and develop more and more day by day. So may the Lord bless and keep, strengthen and guide, walking in the Spirit, in the love of Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. 
Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. And that is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.